Welcome to episode 007 of Uncontained. I'm Aaron Static Render, and today I speak with former body modification artist turned author, motivational speaker, founder of Know My Impact, and Manners and Motivation, a self-proclaimed corporate oddity, Josh Coburn. I'm excited that I have a chance to sit down with Josh because he's been so busy lately. He's recently released an online video series, has an upcoming venture called Well Razor Radio. Needless to say, the man's plate is full. I know, motivational speaking might not be the first thing that comes to mind when you think of entertainers, but Josh may change your mind. I hope you enjoy the interview with the first Well Razor in command, Josh Coburn. How are you doing today, Josh? I'm wonderful. Thank you very much for having me. Anything that I missed on that long list of accolades? <laughs> no, not at all. I think, you, I think you nailed it all down pretty good. There's a a heck of a lot there, but I think you got it all. All right, all right. Now, this isn't my first time interviewing you, Josh. Um, way back when I was in college at KBVU, you were promoting one of your first books, and uh, we ended up doing a radio interview on the college radio station. You remember that at all? I do. That would have been probably two thousand, late 2004, early 2005, I'm probably it, guessing, early, in that area. Yeah, 2005, that's when I started. Wait, no, it'd be probably 2004 to 2005. You're right. Uh, I graduated in 2005. So, um, But uh, there's a funny story about that. I remember this. I tell it to people in radio uh, all the time. When I learned the hard way on how to use the 30-second delay button. <laughs> <laughs> like we were talking about something, and uh, you slipped up. Said uh, said shit, which you can swear on this show. Sure. But I was told when you hit that 30-second delay button, it dropped w your conversation, and the computer in the program started up a track, okay? But when I, when I hit that 30-second delay button right after you said shit, I said, dude, I had to drop you because you said shit on the radio. And then like 30 <laughs> seconds later, my program director gave me a call. He's like, hey, uh, static... Uh, yeah, you bleeped out his shit, but I heard your shit loud and clear. Uh, <laughs> and I was nice. like, don't, don't fire me, Bruce. Don't fire me. The good old <laughs> days. But you've been up to a lot since then. Um, man, let's start with uh, how did you make the transition from body modification artist to where you are today as motivational speaker and author? Sure. And et cetera. all that other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it is kind of a funny story because, you know, I released my my first book and owned you know a small record label as as you're aware of, uh, way back in the day when I was in body modification and it was kind of just uh, an outlet. You know, I was young and and I had a chance to do a lot of really cool things and spread my wings and learn about business. So that's exactly what I was doing. And you know, I was I was learning a lot. I was failing a lot. And, you know, all that's good because I wouldn't be where I'm at now without those moments. But um, really what kind of started to happen was as I was learning about business, I was also in contact with the state health department and in dealing with the re new regulations that they wanted to put in place for tattoos and body modification. And that put me in front of, I mean, I'd always kind of felt good in front of audiences, but that put me in front of, you know, hundreds of people presenting about tattoos, about piercings, about heavy body mods to the health departments, 
you know, regionally, it would have been, you know, Nebraska, Minnesota, kind of everybody locally, and then all converge in one place. And I, I do presentations. And that also kind of got me into the mindset of like bigger business as I was learning about state budgets and, you know, what they can and can't do and what they can and can't implement and manpower and all this other businessy stuff that, you know, is uh, a 19 and 20 year old kid I didn't care about. I cared about traveling around the world and doing cool stuff, right? Living dreams as it were. But yeah. uh, this kind of started to infect me a little bit. And uh, of course, you know, in the body modification world and being heavily modded with implants and tattoos on my face and hands and neck and all the places people tell you, you shouldn't because you'll never get a corporate job. Um, really made me think, you know, if they say I can't, I'm going to prove I can. So I made the leap into corporate life for a good amount of time, continued with um, kind of learning and developing products and doing marketing and, and also doing a lot of presentations. And I kept writing. I released another book in that time and just kind of continued on, on the path of business, but with kind of all this other personal stuff outside of that, that I did, you know, the books and the speaking and colleges and stuff on a low level. But it was, um, in 2013, I released, uh, inspiration on demand, which is a book basically full of quotes that I would write myself every day that would kind of pull me out of the dumps and depression okay. and everything else. And that was so popular that it kind of launched me into a new kind of space with all of that. I actually enjoy those quotes online quite regularly too. Awesome. Yeah. I, I still put them up every single day. I mean, it, well, every day except for Saturday, Sunday, usually because I kind of need a break and need to recharge. So yeah, it's good for me. It's good for everybody else. It's, it's a really nice, fun thing for me to do every day to kind of get my head straight, which is, is great. I still do it. Awesome. So you even after those aren't all old ones that we're seeing that are from Inspiration on Demand, they're newer ones you keep coming up with every day? or Yeah, absolutely. I have a huge cache of, of them that like, you know, they're stored in my phone and then I dump them into my like Google Drive and I pull them out when they're relevant or if something comes to me that morning, I'll write it, put it right out there. Sometimes I'll bring out one, you know, an old one or I'll, I'll write a new one and it's just like an old one. <laughs> so I'll have to <laughs> reword it or, or just repost that other one. Cause I post what applies to me that day. I try to be authentic as possible. Okay. So are these all quotes that you come up with yourself or do you just hear something and it's like, Oh, I heard this. I think that will apply to my day and post that as a inspirational quote um i i can't say i never kind of post other things from other people but i always attribute them to those individuals anything that's attributed to myself or listed you know with with my logo that is always mine so okay i would say 99.9 percent .9 are written by me for me and posted out there so Rarely do I take, and you know, you, you do come across things where it's like, gosh, I, I kind of said the same thing. And you find out that that was written by someone in 1978. And it's very similar, but, you know, positivity yeah. is positive. It happens. Definitely. So I'm sorry, I kind of derailed you from uh, explaining on how you got from body modification to where you are today. Uh, we were talking about the inspiration on demand and posting those quotes online. Sure, sure. Um, uh, no, no big deal. I, yeah, I mean, really what, 
what happened is when that book was released, I started doing a lot of radio and started speaking a lot more in schools. And, and what really hit was I ended up, you know, going to New York and doing some stuff for Fox News and, you know, doing some other nation, nationwide media. Uh, so things just suddenly kind of went to a different level. And I did some speaking for like Lennox, which is like a hundred year old company and massive, you know, so that's really kind of how I eventually crossed the threshold was because, you know, for some reason, people don't think that you're like legitimate until, you know, someone else kind of gives you that credibility. So, and, and that, you know, when you write a book, suddenly people are like, oh my gosh, you write a book, you must have all the answers. And then it's like, <laughs> I mean, and, and people do, but then, you know, then it's like, oh, you wrote a book, you must have all the answers. And, you know, Channel 9 News cares about you. Wow, that's crazy. You must be famous. Oh my gosh, you were on, you know, this show, you must be super famous, you know, and it's, it's funny, the perception, because I'm still just some regular dude that lives in a small town in Iowa doing what he does. That's how I view it. But, you know, not everybody does, which is cool. You know? I hear you. Definitely. When you were on Fox News, what were you? Did they? It just doesn't seem like it seems like they would try to vilify you in some way. Just being Fox News, you know, because right. <laughs> um, your appearance doesn't fit the norm with the the dots and all the tattoos, you know? Sure. Well, it's it's funny because actually it's it's crazy you bring that up because I was on um, Fox News the first time discussing that very thing that, you know, the the kind of like body modification in society and in, in doesn't have a place in like the corporate workspace and that kind of thing. And I think it does because obviously I'm heavily tattooed and I can do any job you want me to do, you know just give me some training and I'll go kick some ass. That's how I operate. Yeah. And I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. And basically it came down to, you know, exp explaining that and having that conversation, which actually was awesome because they were very receptive and straightforward about it. Cool. And their questions were good and well-researched. So I explained, um, the second, okay, wow. Yeah. The second time I went, um, I, I went to the studio, uh, which, which is, uh, there in New York City, and, which was a really cool experience. But um, that time I was there in a different capacity. I was there discussing overcoming fear and also okay. kind of addressing things because it was, it was in January. So it was just after like a week and a half after the new year when most everybody are starting to lose their New Year's resolutions. So, you know, I, I was discussing fear and also kind of continuing to overcome it and you know continuing on your kind of positive path so it really came down to, to very simply being the expert in both those categories so you know it, it really paid off for me in that respect it'd be different if they called me there expecting to tear me apart because i simply wouldn't allow it you know they can talk crap about me but i'm not uh you know some stupid guy i would let them say their piece and i would retort with a you know, a valid argument and it wouldn't be yeah some messy, angry thing by any means. <laughs> it wouldn't be like, oh, there's the tattooed guy getting angry on the on the Fox News. I know you would come up, like you said, with a smart rebuttal to their ignorant question if they had that. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to say that I haven't encountered that at times, whether it's, you know, just in public on the street or 
you know, in an interview of some, some kind, because it happens and I understand it. And, you know, it's, it's a matter of them, you know, kind of poking the, uh, the stigma that is associated with heavily tattooed people, or maybe just trying to get a rise out of me or just, you know, trying to make good TV or good radio. I get it. But, um, you know, I, I'm here to paint a different picture and that's what I try to do. So. Right on. So speaking of painting a different picture and making a change, you have started up, uh, com, and, uh, you care to tell a little bit about that? I know there's a card that people can give out. And... Yeah. Yeah. Knowmyimpact.com um, was, is essentially a way to make good deeds trackable. And what I mean by that is, you know, you, now that we're in a society where everyone's very me, me, me centered, like, hey, look what I did as they, you know, send out a tweet or as they, post a selfie with a homeless man they just gave a burger to on you know on facebook or instagram which i'm happy they did a good deed and i'm not sad they're sharing it because if everything was anonymous the next generation would never know good deeds are happening right true we're, true we're so self-absorbed uh as a society now with cell phones and our whole world in our hands that you know i i was trying to come up with a way to help younger people understand how good it feels to make an impact on the world. And the other piece of this puzzle is when I was speaking so much in schools, anywhere that wouldn't hire me would basically be like, well, it's great. You could save, you know, five kids, you could impact, you know, all 3000 students, but we have no way of tracking that impact. So I'm sorry, we can't do it because I can't get funds from, you know, said business donations or from the school board or whatever. So no, my impact actually allows me to track the impact and the positive good deeds that those students do after I leave. So the cool thing is the way this works is essentially say, say we're at a Starbucks, right? And yeah, and um, you're behind me in the line um uh, of cars in the drive-through so i go ahead and pay for mine and for yours right and yes. that's you know you hear about that all the time what i would do is i'd pull out my in- impact card and on the back of it's a number i'd i just keep the website up on my on my phone all the time so i just open it up and in my profile there's a spot for deeds and i type the number on that card in there and i i put you know paid for a stranger's coffee at Starbucks. And it's like, where were you at? Well, I was, I, you know, I might've been traveling. I might be in San Diego, California. So I'll put in there, you know, Starbucks, San Diego, California. And then what I'll do is I'll hand that to the, the woman at the drive-thru. I'll be like, Hey, you know, I got this guy's coffee behind me. Just hand him this card and let him know that, you know, to have a good day. And then you get that card okay. and you're like, what the F is this thing? And, you know, she'll let you know, obviously, hey, the guy in front of you paid for your coffee. That was nice of him. And he told me to give you this card. I don't know what it is, but here you go. And you look at it and it says right on it, you know, did someone pay you a random act of kindness, you know, receive track and pay it forward. So you can flip that card over You go to the site because it says, you know, get started, know my impact. And you type in the number on there right at the front of the website and it'll show you that I paid for 
your coffee at that location just a moment ago and it'll have a dot on the big map of the United States or Europe or wherever you are and it'll show right where that happened. The coolest thing though is if I got that card from one person in front of me and they got it from someone in front of them and so on, it'll have yeah. maybe a hundred deeds, good deeds associated with that card. We were just part of that process. So oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So like, you know, if you type it in, you can see all the points all over the map that that card has essentially traveled kind of like a dollar bill. Can, you know, you, you pay for something. the where's George dot com type thing straight up. That's exactly what this is just on a much bigger, more kind level. Where's George dot com slash pay it forward. And uh, that, it's a really cool concept. Can you just go? Do you have to have a code to get on and see where? people are doing deeds or is it can you just go to uh myimpact.com and see where all of the cards have yeah been at? what you can do is you can go to knowmyimpact.com and at the at the top of the menu there's a, a spot that says see see your impact and you can click that and you can see all the deeds that are happening all over the world and keep in mind we've been tracking this and and kind of beta testing it since um august and um there's a few thousand cards that are starting to kind of infiltrate the market, as it were. And um, okay. you can see there's a lot, obviously, local to Iowa because that's where we're doing most of the testing. But there's stuff happening on both the coasts and the south. There's some cards hitting in Europe and New Zealand and Australia. So, you know, they're getting out there, which is really cool. That's awesome. If you want to send some out to the Bay Area, I can get some circulating out here for you, Josh. Heck yeah, that'd be awesome. You'll have to shoot me over your address and I'll get some your way. That's great. All right. Hell yeah. Uh, have you made it overseas yet? Um, ha have I personally? No, no, like the cards. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, there's there's a few floating around in, uh, I think, like Poland and, you know, Italy and in that general area, um, Australia and New Zealand. It's crazy. Like you hear the the stories about bands that are like, yeah, we're big in Japan and everybody laughs. Like I'm huge in Australia and New Zealand. I don't know why, but I am <laughs> like my market there is massive and it's, it's just insane. So I'm very lucky to that end. So, you know, there's some stuff going on there too. I don't know if they've um, officially, implemented the cards and done good deeds associated but um i i've sent a bunch over there so awesome yeah. awesome have you been hired to do any speaking engagements over there uh, or is it just the cards that they're getting right now yeah there's i i send a ton of books over there um they, they order a lot of signed merchandise uh so uh, lots of posters lots of dvds lots of books um head that way there's been a lot of talk, um, especially in the New Zealand area, about me speaking in some of the schools and doing some corporations. Um, but I need, you know, if I'm going to go over there, if, you know, I either need a lot of speaking events, you know, six to 10 to make it worth my time, you know, and money and being away from my family, you know, the drill. Um, or yeah. I need one, you know, large speaking event that, is going to essentially make the trip and the merch sales and hauling all that stuff, you know, worth my time. I need to spend real time there to, to, to make it make up the cost that goes into doing it. So, um, definitely, a lot of it's definitely. Sports, but, uh, 
you know, I get in- inquiries a lot from just recently uh, Vietnam and some stuff from Scotland and the UK. So there's a lot of talk going on in Europe for the first time, which has never happened for me. So I'm excited there's even talk. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, okay. Part of the process of my show that I do is I started out just interviewing entertainers, comedians, authors, bands, stuff like that, just trying to get stories. Sure. But I'm also making a swing towards, you know, making it a journey to find out what people do to get where they are. Yeah. Totally. You know, what uh, people at all levels, too. I want because sometimes a person's advice that's at the top doesn't necessarily apply to the person that's just starting out. Sure. Uh, so I want to get advice from across the board. And this seems like a good time to ask you, like, what are you doing to get your name out there? And what are you doing to, you know, take where you are to the next step? Sure. Um, great questions. And and that's that's a pretty awesome thing that you're doing, because I I agree with you that, you know, everyone at all levels that are quote unquote successful generally apply the same things but it's when they're applying it and how they're applying it and how it relates to their life or their specific business. So that's awesome. But um, for me, uh, I guess to, to answer your kind of two-part question, um, the way I get out there really honestly, like social is really big for me because I primarily yeah. deal with uh, the youth market and the the other like huge kind of piece of my audience is women between the ages of like 25 to 55. And I know that sounds crazy, but when you really look at, <laughs> at what I do, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, like I'm, I'm a huggy guy. I'm a real guy, okay. honest guy. Um, I, I'm kind of real with my emotions. You know, a lot of guys are too tough to talk about crying and too tough to, you know, talk about the things that hurt them or upset them or make them emotional. And I'm not like, I'm real with pretty much everything all the way from complete happiness to absolute anger and total sadness. Um, Showing vulnerability. Totally. Vulnerability is a big thing for me because the more you share about yourself, the more you realize how many people are out there just like you. And that is how my audience connects. You know, you have all those dudes that are like, all right, I get it, but I'm totally going to like stand at bay and just watch. You know what I mean? But, yeah, you know, their wives or their girlfriends or whatever, like, you know, man, you could really help my kids. I connect with you. I get it. This mm-hmm. is awesome. And, you know, they're like, you know, they sit down with their, their girlfriends or shooting texts like, oh, my gosh, you check this guy out. You know, guys don't do that quite as much. So that age range, as crazy as it is, is is really big for me which is awesome but uh social going back to that is a major thing for me because again most of my booked gigs come from uh social media from people finding me and be like oh my gosh you do this every day you inspire me every single day this is crazy i would love you to speak at my school at my work at my whatever and that's pretty great so social's big uh an email list is huge. Okay. Of course, I have my websites and all that stuff. So gaining that list of people who are really diehards is a big deal too. So those are the ways I primarily reach people. But, you know, 
obviously books and all that. Plus, you mentioned uh, just before we jumped on this uh, or started recording um, my new YouTube show, The Relief. You know, those are all ways yes. to interact as well. So, you know, for me, content is absolutely king because without people finding me, looking me up, saying, hey, what's going on? And me having that conversation, I'm never going to get in front of them. I'm never going to have, you know, a one-on-one coaching session or, you know, some kind of of bigger speaking event. And no one's going to buy my books. No one's going to care because you know, I'm not out there. I'm not, you know, making that direct one-on-one or as one-on-one as I can get a connection with individuals. Yeah. You mentioned building an email list. Yeah. Like everybody talks about how important it is to build an email list. What do you what do you do with your email list? Like how do you make that effective for you? Uh, as far as getting people to sign up or just how do I utilize it once I have them or both? I guess you could get into a little bit of both. Sure. Uh, when it comes to not to have you give away all your secrets or anything, no, it's all good. But... I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> really, it's it's all about you know good business and sharing with one another because that's how the economy grows. But uh, yeah, I mean, as far as it goes for me, you know, again, social. You can always post. You know, hey, you want to hear more? Jump over here and sign up. That kind of stuff. You can give away. You know, free ebooks and other incentives, um, sweepstakes, giveaways of all kinds and things. You know, those that can really go a long ways. Um, advertising in general at my events. You know, anytime I'm speaking, I always encourage you know individuals to to hit me up at my website and sign up so they can learn more because then they're in the heat of the passion, you know, and they want it. So that's why I always suggest it then. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, totally. But um, as far as how I utilize the list, otherwise, I don't spam them. I don't hit them, you know, like twice a week or, you know, anything like that. I, I keep it. I use it. Um, it's it's kind of like, you know, like the, the silent Bob scenario where it's like, I don't I don't talk unless it's really important. And then you really want to listen. Gotcha. Uh, and, and I'm talking email strictly. Because otherwise I don't shut up, as you notice. But uh, <laughs> when it well, comes, that's part of the occupational hazard, right there. Yeah, Josh. right. <laughs> when it comes to the email, though, like if if I'm announcing something new or I have a few things I've been up to and just want to update people, um, I'll, I'll send out things. But I treat it very much as like, you know, hey, well raisers, what's up? You know, it's been a little while. This is what I got going on. You know, you're the first to kind of know about it and, you know, give them kind of the jump. So they know that they're getting exclusive content. They're getting it first. They're, you know, they're really kind of privy to, to the most recent and current information. And it's a direct okay. letter. To me. I sit down, I write it directly to them. It's not like a copy and paste blog post or article. It's me talking about what you know, what's new or, you know, if there is a new article I wrote or a new episode of the relief or, you know, the well raiser society, you know, when that was developed, pushing that out there, whatever, you know, it's really very much a, Hey guys, you know, friend to friend conversation that I'm having. That's what it's all about. Cool. So do you put that out, uh, your, shoot your email out before you post it to social media or do you do that kind of simultaneously? Uh, nope. Email always goes out first. Like they get it first. And I, I feel like 
they deserve that. Like if I'm releasing a new product or, you know, like honestly, some of the things I've been thinking about doing, and I don't know when I'll get there, but, um, you know, packaging my first three books together in a three book volume, which, you know, one of those books has never even been published. So what I'd like to do is put those all three in a volume and make, you know, a very limited run of them, you know, maybe 200 and sign them all and push them out first to the email list because then they get an Okay. They all want them and they buy them all up. Well, that's the incentive. Next time they'll jump on them, you know, other people will jump into the email list and jump on it. And that's really, I guess, the incentive for them to join and for me to have them because, you know, it's it's the audience that cares the most. So you want to keep them close. Okay. And but how long do you typically uh, wait between releasing the email to go into social media on on posts? Sure. Um, it, it really depends on a couple of things. If it's like, uh, well, like I'll go back and discuss the, the, the launch of the relief, um, that YouTube show we promoted for a few weeks, you know, nothing too crazy. And we promoted it basically everywhere. And everyone knew that it was going to be coming out on February 1st. And what I did is I, I posted that it'd be available at noon, February 1st central time. So the world kind of knew that, but the email list was aware of it at 8 a.m. that morning. So when they arrived to work, it was the first thing that was kind of available for them to boost their day. Okay. So they got it four hours earlier. And granted, some people may not have opened it till two o'clock in the afternoon, but they at least had the jump on everyone else. And they can see that because they knew that it wasn't announced anywhere until, you know, 12 o'clock that day. So in that case, I mentioned a specific date and time and they got it early. However, yeah. If the world kind of doesn't know yet, I'll just often, you know, months sometimes discuss with the email list what's going on. And then, you know, when the launch comes, they'll be like, hey, you know, you mentioned this a while ago. I haven't heard anything. What's new? They'll email me. And I'll be like, this is what's happening. This is the updated info. And they'll be like, you know, can I share that on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter? And they actually do the marketing for me, which is definitely pretty cool. Because now I'm not even doing it. They're leaking out that information and they're exclusive to it. They're the first. So actually, I saw a few people on your uh, on your Facebook page that are like, I'm I'm excited to be able to announce an exclusive uh, first episode of The Relief by Josh Coburn. I, I thought that was pretty brilliant. Yeah, thanks. Pretty smart, man. Thank you. Yeah, they and, and those individuals were, you know, like I, I hadn't released that even. So they were doing it already, which is way cool because, I mean, I'm, I'm getting a reach that I would not have gotten before, and they feel good that they get to be a part of something bigger than them and support something they believe in, which for me is invaluable. You know, it's, I got to have that. Yeah. And you've mentioned well raisers quite a bit. I mentioned it in your intro. Huh? What is a well raiser and how do you become one? Sure. Uh, well Raisers and the Well Raisers Society um, was developed uh, for two reasons. Um, reason number one, because I had a lot of people kind of like, you know, I don't know 
Like I, like I mentioned earlier, I'm some dude that lives in central Iowa in a small town with a wife and kids and just does awesome stuff and lives his dream and enjoys life. And when people are like, gosh, I'm a huge fan. This is crazy. I, I'm so glad I'm meeting you or I'm so glad you signed this or whatever. Like it blows my mind. And I don't know how to even respond to that. Like it's weird for me to like people send me artwork, drawings and things that they create for me in the mail or post online. And like, is that like fan art? I don't know. Like, what do I, what do I say? Cause saying fans is too weird for me. <laughs> so, yeah. So Coburniacs. Yeah, or exactly. Like that. <laughs> Coburniacs. They, you know? So kind of born out of that and, uh, you know, the need for kind of a name that I was comfortable with and also the realization that, you know, there's all sorts of, negative names for people committing bad acts in the world you know there's thieves there's rapists there's murderers there's all these things but there's evil doers you know but <laughs> let's look at the other side of that coin you don't ever say do-gooders really i mean i guess that's a phrase but i've never heard i've never really heard anyone utter it you know yeah it's not as prevalent as like evil doers right exactly so beyond that if someone's out there putting good into the world, I mean, there's philanthropists who are definitely, you know, giving money and stuff, but that's, that's one specific thing. Otherwise there's no name for people out there doing good. Right. So Correct. out of those two things and the misconception that the way I look automatically makes me some kind of hellion or hellraiser kind <laughs> of bore this new word that, because the definition of Hellraiser is essentially the reckless disregard for yourself and others, right? But okay. a Hellraiser, or excuse me, a Wellraiser is the opposite of that. It is the, you know, the, the complete focus and love and care for yourself and, and others and the world around you. Because you're, you're raising wellness. You want people to be better in their lives. And it also, it sounds kind of like Hellraiser, so... You know as well as I know that kids are going to wear those shirts and be like, you know, I'm, I'm going to upset my parents, but this is so good. <laughs> they can't be mad. So it's kind of like that, like, yeah. you know, walk in the line thing too, which is definitely what I do. So, uh, yeah, well raisers are just essentially um, a combination of good human beings out there willing to be vulnerable and accept vulnerability from others willing to take a chance on themselves and other people uh, being willing to fail forward to learn the lessons needed for success as well as face their challenges and help others overcome challenges in their own lives. And lastly, be willing to communicate and accept communication because those five things really can change anyone's life. I, I challenge you to try to apply every one of those and not say, oh my gosh, I can't believe what just happened, you know, in my life. It's, it's insane. And well racers do those things. You know, they, like I mentioned earlier, you know, it's, it's kind of my job to, to make people more confident in themselves and, and become good servant leaders and also be driven to, create a better life for themselves and others. And that's exactly what a well raiser is and a well raiser does. So how can someone become that? 
you know what? Live right. Be do those five things. Live by that code. And you know, there's no, you know, I'm not gonna be like, you know, here's your uh official membership card because you went through these tests and these damn times. i wanted one man i wanted a well a well razor card <laughs> well well maybe i'll send you an official member shirt and then everything's okay right that would be awesome that'd be awesome well, and it, to recap that's vulnerability taking chances failing forward overcoming challenges and communications right yep absolutely you nailed it sir the World Wide Web helped me with that one. <laughs> well done. Well done. But that's what it's I'm, about. I'm not that great of a listener. I'll be honest with you. But <laughs> okay. uh, I'll let go. There's that vulnerability part, right? I, and communication in one. Yeah. See? See? It's that easy, man. But seriously. That, well, yeah. Yeah. You say that out loud. Somebody else is like, oh, you know, I hate to talk about it. But seriously, I'm a terrible listener too. And then automatically it's like, okay, <laughs> let's make a freaking deal. You and I, we're going to try to listen better and you know we'll check in every week we'll make lives better it happens it's that simple but the other thing that's cool is like you know because we have like punk rock buttons you can buy you know the little the little buttons with the well razor logo or t-shirts or whatever and how crazy is it that you might see you know somebody from india walking through an airport and you know uh some cowboy from texas and me this heavily tattooed dude and an african-american all with you know this logo or wearing a shirt or a trucker hat or whatever we have and they all have it on and you know it's that moment you kind of look at each other and you realize hey i got you i get you it's like when all the you know people are driving their harleys down the road and they do that like secret low wave thing that they do or the guys yeah and they're you know they're volkswagen bugs you know you see another bug and you're just like yeah we're bros you know we're we're together <laughs> i get you that's what this is just on a much bigger level. You know, it, it transcends race and sexuality and, and everything else that separates us. Because if you walk into a, you know, a place and you're the minority and there's a well razor there, I would hope that based on that code, they'd stop and they'd be like, Hey, you, I know you look out of place. You seem like you don't belong here. You can come hang with us. You're accepted with us. That's what it's about. Right on. That's actually really cool. When I was living in Iowa, I never really experienced, besides hanging out with a couple people at a time, being the minority. Uh, I moved out here to the Bay Area. I remember I went to a restaurant. uh, It was in Oakland. Me and one of my friends were like the only white people in the place. And it was kind of a surreal feeling, like looking around like, this is what it feels like in a way, you know, because you never really there's still I don't want to make it sound like Iowa is not a diverse place because it it is fairly diverse for, you know, the size of it. But compared to out here, you know, you've I found myself being the minority many a times now. Yeah, absolutely. I actually kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, it gives you a whole other kind of perspective on life and living when when you are occasionally in the minority you know whether it's race or or something else you know i mean yeah if you're some rich guy in the poor part of town or you're some poor guy in the rich part of town it's the same kind of vibe it's just like oh you know i'm not sure it's okay for me to be here you know and you kind of look around yeah but i mean like for me you know in business i go into a 
you know, into a, this massive corporation to speak and to talk to all the executives. And, you know, they look at me like, you know, if I have a, I, I almost never wear a suit, but if I do wear a suit, I, I still look like a monkey in a suit because you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm heavily tattooed. Like you can't change that. And there's automatically all these assumptions. And I love it because it sets me apart. You know, a lot of times there are, some are expecting me to fail and I get to emphatically prove them wrong very quickly, which is great. Or, you know, some are excited to see what the heck this weird guy has to say because he's like a fish out of water here. And then they realize, wow, he's got a lot of good things to say that I can actually, you know, apply to my life and my work and holy cow. Yeah. It, it gives kind of a different impact, you know? So if, I mean, it'd be the exact same if some, you know, homeless looking guy went in and, and did that kind of presentation in front of that crowd. And oddly, it's funny because if some rich guy walked into, uh, you know, a crowd of, of, uh, you know, homeless and said, you know, this is how you need to live your life. And these are the things you can do. You got to ask the question, would it be accepted the same or not? And, you know, either way, there's a big what if. So it's a pretty crazy thing. That that is actually a really good question. I got me thinking on that as you were as you were saying it. I was like, would the would they throw stuff at them or would they actually listen? Right. I mean, and, and you would have that. You know, I, I wasn't saying that, you know, necessarily some, you know, some rich dude going into a homeless shelter or something to talk, you know, is a bad thing because it isn't. But the reaction, you know, they may, you know, the old adage of throwing rotten potatoes or getting, you know, the the old hook off stage. But it could happen the other way too. Yeah. You know what I mean? If monkeys throwing feces. Yeah, right, right. But uh, you know, you walk in, you know, some well, a guy like me walks into a really nice ballroom in Las Vegas to give, you know, uh some sort of interactive speech to, you know, five hundred executives, they could maybe do the same thing to me. The key is breaking down that barrier. For, you know, making them forget about the differences and helping them understand the similarities. That's what a well raiser's job is. That's what Know My Impact's all about. That's what I live for. And, you know, I don't care if I'm minority or majority. As long as you can kind of take those walls down between people, I think a heck of a lot is gained as far as connection and unity and personal growth. Hell yeah. Or, well, yeah, I should say. <laughs> nice. All right, man. I have one more question for you. Sure. Uh, I've been asking uh, my guests this at the end of the show, and you seem like a perfect person to ask, how do you live uncontained? Ooh, how do I live my life uncontained? Well, you know what? I, I, and I may give the potential worst answer you've ever had, but I just live it. Like, I don't put boundaries on my life at all like i don't think to myself well you know i can't go to iran because of what i hear on tv no i think to myself my i would love to go to iran because i would love to know how the individual people there choose to live be regardless of the political climate because i'm sure okay. they're just great individuals who are at the mercy of this crazy government that's, you know, making decisions for the country as a whole, but they just, you know, 
live their life. They care about the same things we do, which is family, you know, food, shelter, and living happily. So I would imagine that it would be a very nice, jovial conversation for the most part with those individuals. When I see Iranians here in the United States and I shake their hand, it's absolutely wonderful. Why should I assume something else over there? Because the TV tells me different? No way. Exactly. Exactly. So I guess what I'm getting at is I just live it. Like I don't put limits on it. I am completely uncontained. You know, uh, I feel like there's nothing in the life or in the world that I can't do. And if I decide to do it, when I decide to do it, I will very simply go do it no matter how much I fear it. And there are things I'm scared to death of, but that's how you grow. That's how you expand your mind. That's how you expand knowledge. That's how you get the great stories that you have to have. If you're going to stand on stage with a mic in your hand and talk about life experiences, because if you don't walk the talk essentially, then what good are you anyway? So I guess that that's, that's the best answer I can give short and sweet. I just live it. I go and I do. I don't mess around with talking about it. I go and I see it. You know, that's actually a really good answer. And you said it might be lame, but it's not. That's actually kind of where uncontained comes from. Not necessarily about traveling, but it is just about living life. The people who tell you you can't go on stage and do something, it's going up there and doing it despite that because that's your dream. It's going after your dream no matter if people say, hey, you can't do this. Absolutely. Heck, use that as a kindling to keep that spark and that fire running, man. Prove them that say you can't wrong and then help them go do the things that they limit themselves within. That's the way I look at it. Right on. Very good point. Um, where can we get a hold of you? I know there's joshcoburn.com. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but what is your Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook? Sure. You're just Josh Coburn on Facebook, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can um, basically, I'm Joshua Coburn everywhere out there in the myriad of social sites, and I have them all. Um, so, you know, hit me on Snapchat, hit me on Instagram and Google Plus and the mm. Tumblr and all of that kind of stuff. So um, joshuacoburn.com, though, is absolutely the best place to find everything about me, including Manners and Motivation, the Wellraiser Society, knowmyimpact.com, and all my social media sites. They're all contained within joshuacoburn.com. So you can go there and you can find all that. Click follow, You know, shoot me an email message if you're struggling with something. Get at me, man. I'll help you. Anybody out there. That's what I'm here to do. So I'd love to hear from everybody for sure. Awesome. You heard him hit him up on his social media. And uh, I saw you involved on a new one that I haven't heard of. It's you now. Uh, yeah. You now is um, is I use that actually for the first time earlier today um, to do a live video chat. So essentially I'm on video and people type the questions to me or the conversation to me and I answer on video. So it's actually really cool. I mean, the first question I had today, you know, was like, hey, my friend, you know, is he he self-harms and I don't know how to help him, et cetera, et cetera. And like I could type, you know, an entire book on Facebook to try to respond to that. Or I can have a five minute conversation about it, you know, on you now, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, you dot com yeah. or the app, you now is, is pretty great for that. Cool. So it, it's kind of like Periscope mixed with Twitter or something like that. So you can have like a two-way conversation yet live, personal. Exactly. Yes. 
Okay. Yep. That's kind of the image that I was getting from it. I would have actually joined that conversation except for I was going through tunnels on a subway system. <laughs> no worries, man. No worries. Thank you, Josh, for joining us. Any Anything that I missed or that you want to pitch before we... Uh, Go off air. Uh, you know what? Normally, when I when I end conversations like this, I kind of talk about everything regarding the question you ask. How do I live uncontained? I always encourage people to overcome that fear, not only to be vulnerable and take those chances, but be willing to fail, fail forward, learn the lessons you need, and continue on, soldier on. When you fall, get back up because success is freaking coming. You just have to put in the time. So that's the biggest thing I always put out there. Just get up again. It's worth it. Can't can't think of any truer words, man. Thank you once again. And uh, we'll keep in touch. I, and I want that <laughs> well razor card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll whip one up just for you, man. We'll, we'll get an official member card out for you. All right. Thank you. Yeah, man. you take care, buddy. Thank you. And that wraps up today's episode of Uncontained. Thank you for listening, and thanks again to Josh Coburn for coming in and hanging out with us. I'm really excited to check out his upcoming podcast, Well Razor Radio. Plus, it's got a lot of cool things going on, and you can check it all out at joshuacoburn.com. He has all the links to his social media, including Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, and many more links at the bottom of this page. So make sure you check him out and uh, let him know that you heard him here on Uncontained. Also, please make sure you rate, review, subscribe, and share in iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you are listening in right now. That is the best way to help the show and help the guests that you hear right here on Uncontained. Thank you for listening once again, and until next time, live uncontained.